I knew it, he cried. You are the one. What? shouted the stepsister. Not her, screamed the other stepsister. This cannot be, yelled the stepmother. But it was too late. The prince knew that Cinderella was the one. He looked into her eyes, and he didn't see the cinders in her hair or the ashes on her face. I have found you, he said. And I have found you, said Cinderella. And so Cinderella and the prince were married, and they lived happily ever after. Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church on this resurrection morning. Glad you're here. I don't know about you. I love happy endings to a book I read or a movie I see. I, I, I love it when um, the lost dog finds his way home. I love it when Prince Charming finds Cinderella. I like it when the, when the good guy gets the bad guy and somehow wins the damsel in distress. And I love it when the endings say, and they lived happily ever after. But if you read the news these days, and um, in a day and age of 24-7 cable news, it would seem that not very often, if ever, do we see endings that say happily ever after. We are living in very dark and chaotic times. No, no two ways about it. I want to share just a couple of things in terms of facts that um, are uh, kind of downers this morning. Like, for instance, you realize that there are 800, estimated 815 million people in the world today that don't have enough food to sustain healthy living. Tonight, 815 million people, estimated, are going to go to bed hungry, if not starving. That's one out of nine people on the face of this planet. You realize that every day 16,000 children age five and under die, and almost half of those die because of a lack of nutrition. One in four children that survive live a, a life that's stunted in terms of their physical development, one in three in developing countries. It's a, it's, a, it's a desperate world out there. Of those 815 hungry people in the world, almost two-thirds of them live in countries that are uh, war-torn. No surprise there. And even though uh, somehow this world has avoided in the last 70 years the, the horror of a global war, every day across this globe there are conflicts conflicts and there's are wars and there is turmoil. It's a cause of so much of the world's problems. Since 2008, the Institute for Economics and Peace has been keeping tabs on the, uh, the peacefulness of the world. They measure, they have certain factors and they measure 163 countries. 92 of those countries in 2018, last year, uh, were registered less than they were the year before in terms of peacefulness. Um, this is a dangerous world in which we live. 92 of those countries are experiencing um, difficult days. 
You know where the United States stands of those 163 countries in peacefulness? We are rated, according to the Global Peace Index, uh, number 121. The cost of such unpeacefulness is staggering. They estimate something like $15 trillion to maintain some measure of peace via, via military or, or security purposes, $15 trillion. And the human toll is also staggering. The um, United Nations Refu Refugee Agency has estimated that today there are something like 70 million displaced persons in the world, people who are going to go to bed tonight in a place that they were not wanting to be. They were forcibly removed from their homes, and they're living as refugees in the world. That's one out of every 110 people on this planet. Such upheavals give rise to all sorts of other evils, like human trafficking. The International Labor Organization estimates that there are roughly 40 million people being trafficked in the world today. 75% um, of those are women and young girls who are in forced labor or sexual exploitation. It is estimated that's a $150 billion a year industry, forced labor, sexual exploitation. Our own United States State Department has estimated somewhere between 15,000 and 50,000 women and girls in this country are trafficking. That's the state of our situation of the, of the world today. Some people may say, all right, I, I agree. This is, a, this is a messed up world. I can agree with that. But you know, as long as I have enough uh, income and I do pretty well, in fact, if I could just win the lottery, my life would go pretty well. Uh, not according to Don McNay. He's a financial uh, counselor for those who win lotteries. He's written a book entitled Life Lessons from the Lottery. He explains in that book that something like 70% of lottery winners uh, lose all their winnings in just a matter of a few years. He also chronicles in that book the suicides, the broken homes, just the devastation of broken lives due to lottery winning. Jack Whitaker would agree with that. A few years ago, Jack Whitaker won the $315 million lottery over in West Virginia. And if Jack were here today, he would tell you, I'd give anything to go back and tear up that ticket. His $315 million were gone in four years, a life of debauchery, caught up his own wife, his granddaughter that lived with them. His wife and granddaughter died of a drug overdose. He would tell you today, it, was, it ruined my life. It was the worst thing that happened to me. The world is a mess, full of pain and suffering and sorrow. But that's why we're here this morning. Some incredible good news on Easter morning. There is a day coming when all sorrow and sadness and sickness and war is going to be over. And an ancient prophet by the name of Isaiah, some 2,800 years ago, wrote about this. 
Now, we've been studying here at Fellowship Bible Church the, the book of Isaiah for over a year now. Um, Isaiah, this ancient prophet of Israel, spoke of a day in the future when the world would be totally transformed, totally changed. And he communicated some amazing truths regarding universal peace and righteousness and joy on this earth. Let me just share with you some of those things that Isaiah said. Like, for instance, in chapter 2, they will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation, and never again will they learn war. There's a day coming when no longer will the world be ravaged by war. So said Isaiah. Or chapter 11, he said, And the wolf will dwell with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the young goat, and the calf with the young lion, and the fatling together. And a little boy will lead them, and they will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Isaiah says, there is a day coming when all of nature will be transformed into, into peaceful coexistence. Or he said this in chapter 35. So the ransom of the Lord will return and come with joyful shouting to Zion and everlasting joy will be on their heads. And they will obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Isaiah is predicting that there is a day coming when sorrow and sign will be no more. That what will be found on this world is everlasting joy. Or, chapter 61, he said this, For as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as the garden causes things sown in it to spring up, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. A day is coming, said this ancient prophet, when all the nations will experience righteousness and will praise the Lord. Or chapter 65, he said this, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. I will also rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people, and there will no longer be heard in her voice weeping or the sound of crying. No longer will there be in an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not live out his days. For the youth will die at an age of 100, and the one who does not reach the age of 100 will be thought accursed. A day coming, says Isaiah, a glorious day when there will be a new heaven and new earth totally transformed. An ancient prophet, 2,800 years ago, this prophet of Israel, Isaiah, actually telling us that there is a day coming on this earth where everlasting joy, universal justice and righteousness, where war will never be known, that this earth will see it, experience it. A fairy tale? How in the world is such a transformation going to take place? Because it doesn't look like things in Washington, D.C. are going to bring it about. They just simply keep causing it. It doesn't look like the United Nations is going to somehow miraculously transform this world. How in the world is what Isaiah said going to take place? 
Well, Isaiah says something else. He explains that this, this happily ever after is all because of one man, of one man, the most important person in all of history. Isaiah says this in chapter 9. He says, a child will be born to us and a son will be given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. And then he said this, there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. Isaiah is telling us there is a happily ever after in God's plan that's coming. And it's all going to focus on this one man, this one person, wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal father, and the prince of peace. A child who will come, a son who will be given. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus stepped from his throne in glory. And the Bible tells us he entered our dark, chaotic, sinful mess of a world. The incarnate Son of God. God wrapping himself up in humanity, entering our sick world as the Prince of Peace. But Isaiah has something else to say about this Prince of Peace. In chapter 53, he wrote this startling information that he was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, and the chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are here healed. For all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall upon him. In fulfillment of what Isaiah wrote, Jesus Christ, he entered this world to die. We celebrated that on Friday, Good Friday. The truth that Jesus was indeed despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. He was nailed to the cross. He breathed his last breath, and he was put in a tomb, and with him died the hope of happily ever after. Or did it? See, Jesus said, I came into this world not to be served, but to serve, to give my life a ransom for many. World peace, world justice, world righteousness can never come to this world unless there was first a payment for sin. World peace, eternal joy can't come to this world until it first comes individually into our hearts. Jesus made that payment for sin. That's what he did on the cross. 
In that moment as he's crying out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Our sin was placed on him. The sin of the world was placed on Jesus Christ. And he died in our place as our substitute. He took our place, and God the Father was judging his son, and God's wrath was poured out on his son, Jesus. He who knew no sin became sin. Indeed, Isaiah was right. God was causing the iniquity of us all to fall upon him. And so the Apostle Paul could write in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, having therefore been justified by faith, we have peace with God. He died in our place. He paid for our sins. But Jesus did not stay dead. The stone covering his tomb was rolled away. Jesus was resurrected on the third day. And when he was resurrected on the third day, so was the hope of happily ever after once again. It was game on. It was back on again. And because Jesus is alive today, because we celebrate the historical fact of an empty tomb, because this is historical truth, there will be a world one day that will not know war anymore. There will be a world one day where there will be perfect justice done, where the sin of oppression will end, and will righteousness will be forever and ever. No more sighing, no more sorrow, no more suffering. Everlasting joy. There's a happily ever after coming if Isaiah is right. And how do we know Isaiah was right? The tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. There is a happily ever after coming. Now, here's one reason why I am so glad that we can talk about this today, that I'm so glad we celebrate as Christians there's an empty tomb. Of all the religions of the world, only Christians can celebrate a resurrected Savior. And here's just one reason why I'm happy for that. This is one of my granddaughters. We were playing princess recently. You do that as granddaddies, right? I had threatened our worship team earlier. I was going to get a picture of me in a tutu and a tiara. But that would just, I think, dissolve the moment of, uh, of here. But I was not playing Prince Charming very well that day, as you can see. Not doing my part well. This is a cruel world for our children and our grandchildren to grow up in our nieces and nephews. My heart breaks, does not yours, to hear 16,000 children will not live today under the age of five. Does your heart break? There's a better world coming. There is coming a happily ever after with no sickness and no crying and no sorrow, that it'll be all over. And folks, it's no fairy tale. This is reality. One day, the Prince of Peace is going to return. And one day, 
this world will know righteousness and justice and everlasting peace and joy. Because the Prince of Peace was raised from the dead. Will you be there? Will you, will you experience it? Do you know Him? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Has your life personally been transformed? Has your sins been paid for? Have you encountered this resurrected Savior personally? Do you know Him? If you know Him personally, guess what? The Bible says the happily ever after has already begun. Because Jesus said, I came to give you my peace now. I came to give you my joy now. I came to give you my hope now. I came to give you my righteousness now. And the moment a person comes to that understanding, I can never attain this by myself. No matter how good I am, no matter how many good works I perform, I can never be good enough to merit a happily ever after. But Jesus did it for you. The Bible tells us that he paid for our sins. And the father was so pleased by what his son did. Jesus was raised on that third day. And he offers anyone who will receive it by faith the free gift of the happily ever after. That's what John wrote in John 3.16 when he said that all this was done because God so loved the world. And he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. And that's the wonderful thing, if you know Jesus Christ today, is that that happily ever after has already begun. It's already begun because of what Christ has done. And so on this resurrection morning, I ask you again, do you know him? Do you know him as a personal Savior, the one who died for you and rose again? It is what we are celebrating today. Not a re religious day, holiday, but historical fact. Do you want to experience his peace and joy today? Do you want to experience the coming happily ever after in the day to come? I want to invite you this morning, if you've not done it, to simply transfer your trust off of yourself, off of your good deeds, off of your religiosity, and, and put your trust in Christ alone. It's simply believing. He paid for your sins. Do you believe that? He died and was buried for you. Do you believe that? And on the third day, he rose again, and he's alive today. Do you believe that? The Bible says this is a free gift given to anyone who believes. And while we continue to live in a world of chaos and darkness and sorrow and sadness, we have the absolute hope there is a happily ever after coming. <laughs> there really is. And it's because of Jesus. It's all because of Him. I hope you know him today. Please don't leave here without considering this truth 
He died for you. He rose again for you. And there's a happily ever after coming. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that in your amazing plan of the ages, you are going to somehow transform this world into eternal righteousness and justice and peace. Sign and sorrow are going to be gone. No more crying, no more tears. That you can do this because you are worthy of it. You are the eternal God who sent your beloved eternal Son, God the very God, into this world to die for our sins. Who rose again triumphant. Whoever lives today who gives everyone who receives by faith this good news, gives as a free gift the happily ever after gift. And so, Father, on this resurrection morning, we simply say thank you for your marvelous love for undeserving sinners like us. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.